All right, so glad to be back for another episode of Borderline. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm sorry for everything and what's going on with you guys. Just, just a little backstory here before we get into some cornhole and get to our guest today. Today's going to be fun. We're actually going to talk. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the, the timing of today's guest could not be seriously any better. I mean, we're going to talk NFL and right. cornhole, and this guy has experience in both and pretty damn good at both, to, right. be, to be honest with you. So, all right, first things first, though. So for those who don't know, this long, winding saga of you and Julie's place in Atlanta, this just will not end. So, yeah. so without boring everyone to death, we got we got to quickly recap. I mean, how this whole thing started and where the hell you guys are at now. This is ridiculous. Yeah, we had a pipe burst. It's kind of up. All right, so it's a it's a tri level townhome condo, right? A pipe went bad, kind of connected to the upstairs shower. I guess it had been leaking for a while. And then, you know, you don't realize that until you see it, right? right. It starts to come through the floor. Apparently, it got really bad one night, went through the floor. It came all the way down through the living room. And they found water had come through one of the living room walls all the way down to the basement or the third bottom floor, which is where the washer and dryer are, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So that has to be fixed, obviously. So they got to come in and kind of take down drywall, take everything, find the leak, right? Right. Which, is which, fine. which, in, and of, which in and of itself is a it's, big project. Right, right. But, you know, that kind of stuff can get done and taken care of. Yeah. Well, because it was built in the 70s, like most part. things built in the 70s, they have to check for asbestos. Yeah. Obviously, they found some asbestos. So then they have to come in and kind of demo everything to find all the asbestos. So basically, once that happens, we've got, a, you know, these three rooms and it's not a giant place. You know, you're talking like right around 2,000 2, square feet. When you take away these three rooms, it's a lot less. Anyway. They find the asbestos, they come through. So they have to kind of demo, you know, demolish the walls and ceilings in some of these rooms. And when they were doing it last week, they hit another pipe and it flooded. Wow. So, right, so, where, so where are you at now? We're, in, where in, in an Airbnb in Atlanta. Okay. And so her, uh, Julie's family are USAA people. Her dad was in the Navy, I believe, in the Navy. Anyway, so USAA is great. So insurance is going to cover pretty much everything. It's just we're going to be in a state of displacement for probably, you know, two months. And then when we are at home, we'll be in a kind of half demolished home. And then, you know, because, you know, it's Atlanta. No one, no one, no one can ever come in and fix something in like four or five days straight. Right. You get them for two day bursts. Yeah. You know what I mean, and you don't get them in one week or two weeks. It like kind of spreads out over time. And, so it is what it is. You know, it could be worse. We could live in Florida. So, yeah. You know, Today's episode, by the way, is brought to you by USAA. <laughs> I mean, they're great. Every time she says, hey, this is what's happening, they pay for it. Yeah. You know, but it's it's a mess. Uh, real quick, you brought it up. So on, on, a, on a serious note, um, thoughts out to all of our players who were down in that southwest Florida area. Obviously, I know, uh, and you know, a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, the top pros that we see all the time in that Tampa area. Fortunately, they were spared somewhat, but man, yeah. down there in Fort Myers, as we all know by now, we've all seen the pictures. It is, uh, it's hell on earth for those people. Wow. And, 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 you know, this, this is one of those storms 
And you remember Hugo here in South Carolina. I wasn't living here at the time, but obviously I hear the stories all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, w- when you are when you are literally in the eye of the path of a storm like that, it just wipes out everything in its path. Uh, well, we, we, lu- we lucked out here in Charleston. We just kind of got scraped. It was only a one when it came through here. Yeah. And and the flooding was significant. You know, when you when you when you run into something like that down in southwest Florida, like they did on uh, Hugo. It's just gone. And, and you know, it's, it's, you know, we all forget about that, right? I mean, after, after a week or two, we're going to forget about it. Our lives go on. This is yeah. going to last months, if not years oh. to build back some of this infrastructure. I mean, I remember in Hugo, I was in Charlotte, actually. I was on a break from college uh, during that semester. And Hugo was still a category two when it made it to Charlotte. It was kind of freaky that with how far it came inland. Yeah. We lost 52 trees in our yard. We, it took us three days to cut out to get to the main road. And we were whoa, kind whoa, of whoa, 52 trees. How, how the hell big was your house? Uh, we had four and a half acres <laughs> and they were all old, uh, old oak trees, like big, you know, 100, 150 year old oak trees. So it was, uh, it was a mess, man. And then we were on, you know, our own water. There were three houses kind of together that had our own power, our own well water, all this stuff. So, you know, they weren't getting to us first, put it that way. So yeah. we were without power and water for a month, probably. So it was uh, it was a mess. I remember that. And then when yeah. I moved to Charleston it was in 93 and Hugo had only been four years old and you could still you could go up the intercoastal and still see boats up in trees. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The picture the pictures uh, for this past week were insane of uh, what was happening down in in Fort Myers. I mean, just just to see, like you said, boats in trees, RVs. How about the RV park? That had yeah. been completely wiped out except for one RV. And and the question, you know, the reporter was reporting on all this, you know, and in, in, in the back of your mind while the reporter's talking, you're like, okay, so what happened to all the RVs? He finally got to that part of the story. They had been totally blown out of the RV park into the trees and into the bay of water uh, that was basically adjacent to this RV park. I mean, just, just I mean, that just shows you just the power I don't think people, storms. yeah, I don't think people realize sometimes, you know, because it's essentially a giant tornado. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. just come through it's in really, 10 yeah. seconds. It's there for hours. Yeah. And it just, it's brutal, man. I, it's weird. Like when you go through something like that, you have these people that, you know, once they do it, they want to, they, they, they kind of, they're not scared anymore if you're on the periphery of one. But I mean, when they're that big, like, you know, on the verge of being a category five, I mean, that's bad, man. Because I think, you know, like you saw in Charleston when it's a category one, I mean, that's pretty survivable, right? I mean, it's a lot of water. Yeah. You know, but the wind's not gonna be it's, as it's uncomfortable. Bad. It's it's uncomfortable yeah. for days, but but not but not for weeks or months or years. Right, right. Yeah. And then you get a cat something that big. That's just what people it's it's hard to get people to understand yeah. how bad that is until they actually live through it. I hope you know, fingers crossed that I'm never that person that has to live through one that size. Right. Yep. All right. Well, um, again, so our thoughts with uh, with our our cornhole community down there in Southwest Florida, and uh, man, thinking about thinking about all you guys down there, awful, awful time. Um, speaking yeah. of cornhole, real quick before we move on and get to our guest, uh, I didn't get a chance to follow the open. It's unbelievable to me that the season has started By the already. Way, crazy. Right. Like, like we we just ended. I hopped yeah. into college football. Um, I, I you know I feel like I there hasn't even sick been a call. By the way, man, sick call. You had one of the plays of the weekend. You were you were on that call. That was awesome. Yeah, one of the Sports Center you know, top ten. That was yeah in the Coastal Carolina game. 
there was a play made by the coast. Was he quarterback or running back that made the running play? back? CJ Beasley. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he leaps over a player, which you know happens every now and then. But he literally, the player was standing as he cleared him. Makes Sports Center top ten, and the guy on the call, Jeff McCarron. It was Gosh, awesome. and, and and I sounded and and I was screaming. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. it was so it was so embarrassing to listen to it back because I felt like a screaming little little like thirteen year old awesome. boy because I I literally. And and you you don't hear it, but as the clip goes on, um, about a minute later, I said I said um, something to the effect of, you know, in, in the words of the great Jack Buck, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah, and and it was totally true. I mean, I mean, it was totally unexpected. I I really didn't think they were going to run on that play anyway, because by running, I mean it was towards the end of the game. They needed to score to win, and obviously yeah. when you run, if you get tackled middle of the field, the clock still runs. I think they maybe had a timeout left, but I can't remember. Yeah. So I was surprised that they ran anyway. And then they go to CJ Beasley, who's like a four-string running back, and he goes <laughs> squirting up the field. And then Birdsong, the 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 safety, um, is right there yeah. for Georgia Southern. And literally, like you said, he literally jumped over the six-foot defensive back. And because yeah, you see that play happen from time to time when guys are kind of down in, in a position and they kind of duck their heads, and, you know, and they're half their normal height. This dude was standing up. Yes, I mean he he was he bent was. down in a tackling position, but he raised up as he jumped. He still cleared him. It was crazy. That would right. that would have been fun to call. Way to go, man! Way to go, yeah. you. So yeah, so incredible play ends up making Sports Center top ten. That was a lot of fun. But yeah. anyway, so I had to jump right into football. So I really didn't even get a chance really to follow. But oh man, the spotlight just turned on. I feel like I've got like a yeah. I feel like all of a sudden I'm being interrogated. It looks like it got sunny in there. What in the world? Hang on a second. <laughs> Technical difficulties. It's tough. It's tough out here. Now, see, that's better. God, I, I don't like to see myself in dim light, let alone like in a spotlight. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, so the uh, so the cornhole season started already this weekend. Like Bernie, like we just ended, I know. and now boom, the first open in Rock Hill. I think I think I read this right. Did Jamie Graham sweep both? He did singles and doubles. What a way he to did. start. He, uh, you know, I, we uh, we were talking about, I was on with uh, Trey Ryder, and we had kind of our bracket breakdown, if you will, talking about the yeah. Open. And I, I talked about Jamie Graham, and I thought last year at the beginning of the year, I thought that Matt Guy was going to be kind of on a mission because even though he was still a top five player, he wasn't really kind of, it's Matt Guy and everybody else anymore. You know what I mean? He had been that way for so long, and I thought last year we were going to see him on a mission, and now I, I, he played well finished top five again. So you can't say that he didn't play well when he finished top five in the world. Right. But Jamie, I think this year is going to be the same way. I, I think he has something to prove. I mean, look, once again, a top five player last year, you know, his name is always popping up. You're always seeing him on broadcasts. But I, I think he has something to prove. I think he wants to be the number one player. I don't, I don't think he wants it to be Mark Richards, put it that way. And you know he, what else he wants? You know what else I think really is a chip on his shoulder? Not winning the MVP award. I think I think Oh, that, absolutely. I think and by the way, by the way, did you see what that did? You love numbers, right? You saw what that did for him last weekend. It tied him with Matt Guy. For oh, because he got twos. Yes, he went from 16 to 18. That's right. So now they are tied for most ACL wins of all time. Oh, and they're doubles partners. Oh boy, yeah. this is going to get good. So, so again, for the for those of you who watch the show, uh, who not familiar with the season. So again, we just finished the pro championship uh, j literally just last month, and well, end of August in uh, in California. 
And now the season has started already. And again, we've talked about this before, Bernie, but the best analogy I have is it's kind of like golf. You have you have your tour circuit, so you have yeah. your, your your tour stops, and then you have your majors. So so that's what started last week in Iraq Hill was basically the start of the, the the tour schedule. So it was basically the first tour stop for the players. So definitely a big deal. Congratulations to uh, to Jamie winning singles. And how about Jamie Graham teaming with Chad Hunt, who who I think is a rookie this year, right? So now another. It wasn't Chad Hunt. It was a what was his name. I have oh, to I look it Chad, up. It's, I thought it was like Chad Hunt that he won the. It's uh, Cameron's. I'll have to look it up. That he won doubles with. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay. The guy's I, saw Ch- name. I saw Chad post about something, but I haven't. Had a chance yeah, to we'll have to look it up. But he's uh, a non-pro. Oh my gosh! Wow. A non-pro. Once again, the what open series. The open series continues to give us people we don't know. I mean, if you think about the open series last year, some of the names that we now take for granted that we know all the time: a Mark Richards. Noah Almanza right. names that we, that, that we didn't even know a year and a half ago, right? That we can, you know, and here's another one that just he's a North Carolina guy. He's he's well known in the region, right? But he's yeah. not an ACL pro. Teams up with Jamie Graham, wins a double, you know, and and it's not like from what I heard, it's not like Jamie was just carrying him all the way through. I mean, the kid was dealing, so I'm sure we're going to hear this name in the future. Put it that way. Yeah, probably so. All right, uh, we're already out of time. We got to get to our guests. We'll have to get to. Uh, we'll, we'll do a special meet Jeff and Bernie. Uh oh, yeah, okay. Because because the, the uh, you know the, the fans, fans like the fans like it, Jeff. The fan the fans like Jeff and Bernie. Yeah, it's super uncomfortable for us. But uh, <laughs> but the fan the fans seem to like meet Jeff and Bernie. But way more important to get to our guest today. So let's do that. Yes. So our guest today again. This could not be a more perfect time for who we're having on today. He, uh, you, you, you're going to recognize his name right away for those of you who follow the sport because uh, he came splashing on the scene in the Super Bowl series last year. But he was an All Conference running back at the University of Virginia. Twice led, twice led the ACC in rushing. And finished his career at the time as the school's all-time leading rusher. He then went on to enjoy a 10-year NFL career as a running back for the Miami Dolphins, San Francisco 49ers, Cleveland Browns, and spent his last three years with the, at the time, Oakland Raiders. But if you ask him, maybe his most crowning achievement of his career was qualifying for the Super Bowl Series, playing in the American Cornhole League. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll ask him. But uh, a guy who's a heck of a football player and, and an outstanding cornhole player actually is going to spend this year trying to qualify to become a pro this year. Please welcome to Borderline, Terry Kirby. What's up, Terry? What's up, yeah. guys? What's up, baby? Let's go. Let's Terry. go. Look, look, so I, glad I, I, to hook up with you. And what a great time. I mean, Bernie yeah. and I were just saying we're... We took last week off because of everything going on, and uh, and they're like, "All right, so who do you want to have on?" And we were thinking, "Well, it's the NFL season. We're talking cornhole. Hey, gotta have Ter- <laughs> gotta have Terry on." So glad we could could hook up with you. I feel privileged. I feel privileged to be on here with you guys, man. I appreciate it. This is something new for me, and I love every minute of it. Well, we'll we'll wait and see if you still feel privileged after about thirty <laughs> minutes from now. Yeah. I, I, I gotta let you know, my uh, my mom's husband. Mike Hogan's daughter went to Virginia when you were there. So okay. he's he's going to be watching when this airs on uh, Thursday night. He's pretty excited. He can't oh. he can't he can't believe we stole you as a guest. <laughs> I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry, before we get into talking before we get into talking some NFL, because I've got some I've got a lot of football questions for you because there's been there's I'm been sure. some uh 
There's been some headlines, obviously, that we need to go over. But let's talk a little cornhole first. For those who don't know, uh, we talked about your playing career, and a lot of you know know you as an NFL player. But uh, why cornhole? Like, when did you start playing? Did you play cornhole back when you were playing in the NFL? What what got you into the sport? Uh, no, I never played. You know, growing up, I played horseshoes, but that was just, you know, as a kid. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, it was at the bars and a couple of tailgates I went to, and I just started playing a little bit, never anything serious. And then I want to say four, maybe five, six years ago, I played in one tournament, and uh, that was with Davis, David Stricker and Rosie. And I actually did pretty well, and then I never played again, just played at bars. And then last year, I started, I played in one regional, and Dave was like, hey, you know what, you want to come and play for Super Bowl? I was like, well, what the hell is Super Bowl? I, it was like, oh, you're going to go out to Vegas, and you're going to be on national TV, and you got to win to play in the next one. I was like, okay, why not? Hell it. Why not? Right. And that was it. <laughs> now I'm hooked. <laughs> now right? I'm hooked. <laughs> That, that's Absolutely. what happens. That's that's what that's what happens. We hear that all the time when people actually play. Uh, they just they just get addicted to it, or or they go out and they play in a, in a local blind draw or something like that. They get their asses beat, and they just don't want to lose again. They want to get better at it, and and it's really it's really funny how addicting the sport can be. Yeah, it's so addicting. You know, it's so addicting that you know I own a gym here in South Florida, and I actually brought a set of cornhole boards and bags in here. So when I'm not with a client, I actually pull them out in the middle of our turf and I start playing. <laughs> <laughs> it, right, it, so it, but sorry, Jeff, but like you, know, you yeah. made you made a golf analogy kind of opening the show. Yeah. Cornhole's kind of that way. Like when you play golf and you're not very good, like on my level, like but when you hit that one shot the exact way that you want it to and it feels great in your hands, cornhole's kind of that way. When all of a sudden you can kind of get your flat bag going and you kind of get the throws that you want. All of a sudden, you realize there's more to do. It's like, well, I can't just stop now. Now I know what I'm doing. Now I've got to get Absolutely. better. You know, the one good thing about golf is the difference between golf and cornhole is golf is much more tech technique-wise, and you got to spend a lot more time. Right. A whole lot more time. And you're outside of your driving range. It just takes too long to do. You know, with this with cornhole, you can, you can set up one board in your house if you have enough room. You know, and it's just so much easier because I remember when, when COVID hit, I went out and started playing more golf because that was really the only thing you could do. You couldn't right. do anything else. You could just go out and play golf. So I brought a golf net. I brought a mat. I brought all that. I started hitting balls in my backyard. I did that for like two months because it was too damn hot. I'm like, forget this. I'm not doing that. Now I got cornhole boards set up everywhere and I walk in the house and I just throw for 30 minutes. I walk, walk, Lay down for a minute, I come back out, I throw for 30 minutes. It's so much easier to practice than golf. That's what makes it so much better. Amen. Yeah, it's very it's very mobile. I'm with you with golf and I love playing golf. I but do too. the problem is is it, is it takes it takes, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes for us to drive anywhere that's worth playing. And yeah. and you know, so so you get you gotta leave an hour early. It takes at least four hours to play, then another hour to drive back. And I'm sorry, but if you have a job and kids, that's impossible to do. <laughs> Six hours of your day, that ain't happening. Absolutely. And you know what the best thing is? With golf, you know, most times it's a par four. You know, I think of a cornhole. Cornhole, you got four shots, right? Right. Three out of four is pretty good. On the golf course, Do you? if you get that, you're playing well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. And cool, like, it's funny that you say that, but, like, that's what I mean. Like, cornhole is a kind of sport that it's easy to be good at. It's very hard to be great at. Where Absolutely. golf, I think it's 
it's pretty easy to be like me. It's really hard to break 80, right? When you get around those people that are breaking eight, like they're real. Like they, some, they've got some secret figured out. Absolutely. And they're consistent. And Cornhole, you think you're consistent. And I mean, I'm, you know, I sit here and I watch people and I'm watching everything. And it's very, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, and I think I got it one day and the next day I don't have it. And you keep, you know, like they always say, it's your grip, this and that. And it, you have to play around with it and you have to get comfortable and not even the mental part of it. You know, that that part of it, you know, is a whole nother aspect of it. I was going to ask you about that because you played in the Super Hole qualifier and you played in the Super Hole event. For those who don't know, Super Hole started a few years ago. Uh, basically, it was a big uh, kind of pro-am, uh, you know, pro-am celebrity series that started around the Super Bowl. Bernie, I think it was like two years ago down when the Super Bowl was in Miami, right? Our first first event, I think, was in Fort yes. Lauderdale. It'll be, it'll so be the third year, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be the third year coming third up. Four, but yeah. uh, then it turned into a Super Bowl uh, series. But it is. It's a pro-am event where you get some athletes and some celebrities that, that pair up with our pros and then try and uh, play for some money in the title. And so t that's how Terry qualified uh, to play in the Super Bowl series. But the thing is about Terry that those of you who don't know, Terry actually plays in a league down in Florida with yeah. with Rosie Streaker, uh, whose name you probably have heard of by now if you follow Cornhole at all. <laughs> Rosie, one of the top top female yeah. players in, in the She's world. She's pretty good. We, yeah, yeah, we talk about all the time. So so Terry and Rosie have played together many times and play in the same in the same league. So Terry, you're actually pretty good. And it sounds like uh, you and I were just texting just before you came on. So you're going to try and actually qualify on the circuit circuit this year? Try to qualify to become a pro next year? I'm going to try. Yes, I've been uh, been working on it, and you know I didn't know all the details of how to do it, and you just got to keep playing, you know. And it's, I mean, it's, it's probably the hardest thing because there's so many good players out there. I mean, down here in South Florida, you know, there's an elite in the South Florida Cornhole League. There's so many good players, and to be able to compete. You got to practice. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I don't, how many pros do they actually have? What two hundred and fifty or so? Right. I'm not exactly two fifty two and or two fifty six. You got you you got to play to be one of those two fifty six. I mean, you got to win and you got to play. And let me tell you, and these guys, you know, you can be pro one year and not make it the next year. It's not like yeah. once you turn pro, you're pro forever. Right. You know, like in the NFL, you know, you're pro your whole career. No, not in not in the ACL. So once you get there, it's going to be harder to even stay there. Yeah, for sure. As a matter of fact, I, I already made a mistake today on our show. I forget who the pros are. Jeff, you were right. It was Chad Hunt, and he is an ACL pro that played with Jamie Green. So, I mean, that's like there's 256 of them, but you're right. It's in another way. It's like golf. What is it? 125. You automatically yes. get your card. You're back. And then the rest, everybody else, you're into a pool. You better qualify. Because it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. But does it make shooter. you better? Does it make you better being down there around all those pros, though? Playing against oh, people does. that are it, on that level? Absolutely. Last year, I only played in, um, and I didn't have a regular partner in it. So, and I played in the event, in the uh, advance, in the competitive, because I wasn't good enough yet. So now I'm going to go ahead and step up and play advance and do all the opens. But yeah, you have no choice. You know, when we come together in our regionals, you know, you got usually six or seven pros that are there. So, I mean, sure. and De not to, not to mention Davis, who was a pro before, who's not being pro because, you know, he's doing so much other stuff. 
Yeah, you know, there's you know eight pros at every regional that we have, so it's not like you're playing against somebody that's not good. You're actually got to step your game up. Hey Terry, you talked about playing in the opens. Were you up in Rock Hill, South Carolina? Did you play in the last open? Uh, I did not play. I got there only for the Super Bowl. And let me tell you something. You know, on that was crazy because I was there with Rosie and Sam, and you know, the last day they had to run the gauntlet to be able to come pro again. You know, right, and yeah. that right there, I can't even imagine that pressure on Sunday when you got to run the gauntlet to get your pro card. You know, how many guys had to do that on Sunday? I think Mike, Mike Harvey had to do it also. Yeah. You know, some of the guys that yeah. were pros before, them guys, you know, for them to have to run the gauntlet on Sunday and me as coming in the open trying to get my card, and now I'm playing against, you know, 13 pros from last year that are trying to redeem their pro card, you know, that's – putting you up against the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's brutal. It's, it's like it's like in golf trying to get your tour card. I mean, it is yeah, really, absolutely. really difficult to try and get that. All right. So speaking I think of that's being... what I love the most. I think that's what I like the most. You know, athletes, once yeah. you play a sport for so long, you want that competitive stuff and you, you know, you got to have it. And sometimes it makes me mad because I'm sitting there like, man, I know I'm a better athlete than most of these guys. Why the hell can I get <laughs> yeah. home? What the hell is the damn problem? <laughs> right. Let, let's hey, let's have a tackling contest. Let's yeah. Let's, you know, it's like shit. Can I do this? Yeah. Come well, on, Alex. Just, yeah, Alex Hicks. You stand right there and see if you can take my head. Yeah, exactly. Hey, humans. Hey, humans. Let me see if you can tackle me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me see if you can yeah. You, you, humans is not going to stop you. <laughs> matter of fact, matter of fact, Alex Hicks might win that against Jimmy Human. <laughs> But no, I mean, you bring up a good point, though, Terry, because and you touched on it uh, when we first kind of came on is the mental side of it. And and I think that you've kind of run into that by playing in Super Bowl when we got crowds and we got TV. Uh, I mean, you played obviously some big time games, uh, whether it was in college uh, for Virginia and the ACC or 10 years in the NFL. You obviously had some very high pressure moments, but there is something about cornhole whether it's the lights, whether it's the camera in your face, whether it's just you instead of a team, there's something pretty nerve-wracking about it, obviously, up there on stage for everybody. Oh, it's nerve-wracking even when you're not on stage there. You know, I, when I sat there and I played in some of the uh, sit-and-goes, you know, every shot is important. You know, in football, you got 10 other guys. For me as a running back, you know, if my offensive line does their job, my job is easy. You know, when you're playing cornhole, you got that one shot, and that one shot is important. The next shot is important. The third shot is important. And it comes down to it. And there's so many different shots. That's what's amazing to me. I, you know, you try to master, all right, like Matt Guy says, put it in the damn hole. You know what? If you put it in the hole, they can't beat me. Put it in the hole, you can't beat me. And then you get these guys doing these roll shots. And I'm like, shit, I need to put it in the hole first. Let me practice right. on this. Let me practice on this. Yes. And it's it's such a it's such a different game. And I remember at Super Bowl in Rock Hill. It's funny because I call Matt Guy every time I see him. I call him the, the Tom Brady of Cornhole. You know, that's what I call Matt Guy because, yeah. you know, he's been in it for so long. And it's funny. Humans was like that. He goes, that old shit is done. He's the old goat. I'm a, there's a lot of young goats around here now. And it's funny because they were going back and forth about it. And it's true. You know, these young guys with the new roll shots and all that stuff, it's absolutely changing the game. It's crazy, right? I mean, but, but you bring up, but you bring up such a good point, and Jeff, you and I have talked about this in the past. That I think for younger players, they get so enamored and caught up in the roll bags and some of the other shots. Well, wait a minute, you get really good at sliding in the hole and 
first. When you when, when you can't miss doing that, then go to a different show. I mean, that's the best way to learn. But people get so caught up in, oh, I want to throw a roll bag. I want to throw a roll bag that you see their consistency level is just not there. And I think that's what holds back a, a certain number of people from being pro and holds a certain number of pros back from becoming elite, elite players because they just won't get consistent enough with one shot. I agree. I agree. And that's all, that's all I'm concentrating on. If I can throw in the whole, you know, it's that's all I want to do consistently down the middle, down the middle, down the middle. I look at, you know, like Rosie, Rosie, for example, you know, you have Cheyenne Renner. You know what? They're just putting the it, putting it in a hole, putting it in a hole. That's to me, that's the name of the game. If you can do that, we match match. Then you know what? Best man wins at the end. Right. <laughs> you know who loves to hear that? Jeff McCarriger loves to hear that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Jeff hates, Jeff hates the dirty style of game where they throw a block and they roll. He hates it. This is this is an this is an ongoing debate that I'm just that I'm probably not going to win, but I'm not going to let go of. I, 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 but but again, going back to your point, Bernie, of of you know, get good and be the master, be excellent, be be you know the best at something first, and then do all that other stuff. I yep. still feel like Terry, and this this could change. But to win at a high level consistently, I don't see a dirty player being able to do that. Can they win an Open? Sure. Can they win a National? Yes. But to be a consistent year-after-year year perennial uh, champion at this level, I just don't see it happening because they just it's hard to be consistent with that game. And I think yeah. that's why you see a Matt guy who has 18 career titles. And yeah, Jamie, Jamie Graham. Jamie, Jamie, well, Graham Jamie, Graham, is, Jamie Graham can play dirty. He yeah, but I still think he's one. I, I still think he's one of the best. Put the bag in, push the bag in. He, his push yeah. bags to me are elite. He sure. is such a strong thrower, and that and that's something that you can always win with. And and so you know, someone like Tony Smith and someone like Eric Davis, Terry. I love watching these guys play. I really do. And, I, and I've said that on the air before. I love watching Tony Smith play because he reminds me of being like a Major League Baseball pitcher. He's got five or six different pitches, right? And the way that he uses them all to paint, you know, to paint the strike zone, you know, paint the corners, all this kind of stuff. It's amazing what he does. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure if a player like that can win, you know, at you know at a high level consistently. So that that's that's what this. I agree. Is. I mean, that's. I guess it's going to be debatable, huh? Yeah, I guess. It is. It, it's so yeah, funny because see. it's so funny when you years, yeah. let's see what happens in another six years. If those guys continue to win, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because when we get the pros on, the pros love it. The pros love the dirty style of game. Yeah, absolutely. They would prefer to see it and they would prefer to see it. But then again, yeah. Mark Richards, number one player in the world, doesn't play dirt. Right. And he you know what? The the thing is, it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's, uh, it's exciting. You know, instead of, I guess they're saying it's kind of boring, just throwing a hole, throwing a hole. You know, yeah. I think the whole dirty style is making it exciting, you know, and I think that's, you know, I'm so used to people yelling around me when I'm throwing. I, I don't care if you yell around <laughs> me, you know. It's so funny. I was out at McKenzie's and, you know, my cousin was there and he was yelling, you know, behind me. And I'm used to that. And people around are like, whoa, what, what's going on here? You know, people aren't used to having noise around. I'm like, you know, get excited. It, it is what it is, man. It's a game. It's competitive. You know what? Let's have fun playing it because that's what sports is all about. Can you imagine being in a football field and actually hearing people behind you and what they're saying? 
No. You could care less. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't even imagine what they're what they're saying to you in the stands. <laughs> oh, it, 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 that is that is funny that you say that, Terry, because about uh, a month ago, maybe it's a month and a half ago now, I'm sure you remember the the game where Jordan Power and Jay Rubin oh, were yeah, down yeah. twenty to two, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and they come all the way back and they beat Philip Lopez and Mark Richards and they beat them. Yeah. Well, there there was some chatter going oh, on. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, during that during that match, and, and and to your point, Terry, some people liked it, some people didn't like that at all. But of but course. but Bernie Bernie and I said, hey, go go to a college basketball game, go to an yeah. NBA game, go to an NFL game. You're going to hear a lot worse, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot worse, a lot worse. <laughs> you know, well, you know what I'm waiting on? I'm waiting on somebody to run to the not to through the, a live broadcast, <laughs> take their shirt. Oh off. yeah, right. Oh, okay. Now like that you say night. that, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like last night, last night yeah. in the game, you see yes. the guy run off. When is that going to happen? It's going to be well, me. I'm going to take my shirt off with the smoke bomb and run through the next national. <laughs> All I can say is, if it happens, Terry, I hope that you're there so you can take him out like like the guy did last night for yeah. the Rams. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's let's switch a little bit because uh, I know we're going to run out of time. We always do. Um, again, back to the mental game. And, and I guess I, I really kind of wanted to ask you, I mean, as someone who played in the NFL for 10 years, um, you know, and we've been talking to the players a lot about this lately, is the self-talk that they have in your head and how you get past that. How do you conquer that? Like how much, how much, and this may sound like a really stupid question, but how much is is the game of cornhole mental versus physical Versus playing in the NFL, is is the NFL more physical, less mental? Like 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 is cornhole even more of a mental challenge than than the NFL was for you because it's such a physical physical sport? Uh, yeah, it is. You know, I that's what I went to school for. I went to UVA. And my my major was sports psychology. So it's one of those things that you know these guys, just like me playing football, you practice all week just to play in the game. And when you get in the game, there is no thinking. You know, that's what that's what practices are for before. You know, as long you've done every single shot, how many times? Right. You've done it thousands and thousands of times. So the key thing is when you get into that game and you have a you know a block shot in front of you and you got through it, how many times have you already done that shot? You know, it's just now you get up there and you throw it. And that's the hardest thing to do because in your brain, your brain is telling you, you know, to think about it instead of just doing it. You know, because just like Tiger Woods, they, how many shots, how many golf balls do you think that guy had hit in his lifetime? Right. There's not a shot. Like when you see him when he was in his prime and he was hitting balls, you know, through little tiny holes and, you know, through the trees and all that <laughs> stuff. He's done that shot over and over. Do you ever think he sat there and thought about it when he was hitting that? Not at all. He was like, oh, I got it. And that's one of the hardest things to do is to free your mind up and just play the game. Because you've already practiced all week. You know, these guys are throwing, you know, bags for two, three hours a day. And that's repetition, repetition, repetition. And you're always going to have that in your head. You know, I remember doing an exercise. If you ask, you know, you ask any golfer, if you set up a golf ball and you set one like two feet, three feet, four feet, five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet, and you ask them, you know, what in your mind, what's the percentage of you going to make that first one that's one foot? you're going to say probably 100%. 100%, 100%, 100%. As you get further away in your brain, you're telling yourself, ah, it's a 50% chance I may right. make this. Mm -hmm. Where in your brain, it should be, you know what? 
a hundred percent chance that I'm going to make that. So you're yeah. already putting that in your brain that you've only given yourself 50% of making this shot. And I think that's the, that's the training part of, you know, even with Cornell or any sport that you've done, you practice to play the game man. the game is supposed to be the best part about any sport that you play. When you get up there, you're supposed to just let it go and free, free your mind. And it's hard to do. It is. And like you bring up a great point and I'm going to ask you something. You're going to get really mad at me, by the way, <laughs> we see Terry all the time at tournaments and he's probably going to beat me up for this next question. Uh, now, now Bernie, 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 we do want to have Terry back again yes. as a guest. But, 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 but sports psychology is so interesting to me. And if you look at a loss that you had at the University of Virginia in 1990 and how difficult it was for you guys to – you were better than the teams you ended up losing to after that game. And it oh, was yeah. it's the Georgia Tech game in 1990. You guys were number one. Absolutely. Really? If y'all win that game, you probably go on and play for a national title. Absolutely. But you didn't, and it seemed to affect you for two or three more games. In Cornhole, I see our pros. I mean, we're talking the elite that will miss a bag that they know they should make, and then for another three or four rounds, they're still thinking about that bag they missed three rounds ago. And I'm wondering, like, how do you get out of that? Like, what what's the secret to getting out of that? I guess is my question. Uh, I, what you have to be able to do is you have to take a breath and have a great short term memory. And it's you know, I've been in a game where I fumbled in a crucial point, and I'm sitting there like, oh my god, I can't believe I just did that. And at that point, it has to be gone. And that's the hardest thing to do as any athlete or any person to be able to free your mind up and let it go. And you have to do, you know, it's something that you have to practice at and you have to be able to have that one place that you can go to in your brain that says, okay, it's over with. Think about something else. And it's hard. It is it's one of the hardest things to do. You know, even think about that that big game, that comeback. Those guys got 20 yeah. points. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, 20 points. That's crazy. Guess, hey, 20 points. <laughs> you know, what they call it? The 20, I mean, 20, you need one point. You know? <laughs> And yeah. think about it. In that game, how many bags at the end that went off the board? You, I, I couldn't believe it. I yeah. know. You, you could not believe it. You need one point, and it's not like you didn't have a chance to do it. You did. But, yeah. you know, that, that's the point of taking a breath, you know, and finding that place that you can go to in your brain. Yeah, there were there were times in that match I actually wanted to just, like, call timeout and go get <laughs> Philip Lopez a yeah. hug and be like, hey, man, yes. deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath. You're fine. You know, relax. Yeah. You, could, you could see it getting to him. Both of and them, you, he and Mark, and, you could see it starting to pile on him. It was crazy. And you know what's interesting about that? They only use the timeouts when they got to go look at the bag. They have to remember, hey, you don't need a timeout just to look at the bag. If you need to take a breath, take a timeout. Yeah. Right? You, you don't, have to, two, you don't yeah. have to use it. Yeah. Well, you, you only get two. two and you get two in doubles, which I, I think the players sometimes forget that, you know, use one for looking at bags. But you're right. If, if you're in a bad run, take a time out. Take yeah, a time out. But I, use, the only use the time. That's well, you that's know, maybe, you know, maybe Terry, maybe to your point, And this is what I love about about our sport is that is that it's kind of like NASCAR. They, they are always willing to make changes and tweaks to the rules. And and maybe this is something that we add. Bernie, just just like in, like I'm doing a football game last weekend, right? There are there are media timeouts, Absolutely. and there are and there are team timeouts. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe right. we can tweak the rules to where you get two you know team timeouts, yeah. but then there's also you know another timeout that's just a miscellaneous timeout. So Terry, like you're saying, these players can calm down a run. 
You know, yeah, so, somebody's going on eleven zero run. You're like, wait a second, we we literally absolutely. need a timeout. I mean, the, the rules for the timeouts only come because of television, because we are you know we're not an untimeable game. We have to be done right. inside that time frame, right. or the networks won't use us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah, so. I mean, that, that's very unfortunate. As far as <laughs> yeah, it know, is. That's what, hap- that's what happened with me at Super Bowl. Actually, I had no idea that we were doing rounds. Oh, the rounders, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, I mean the round, yeah, like 10 yeah, rounds. I didn't know we had 10 rounds. rounds. I had no idea. And I'm sitting there and they go, Oh, this is round eight out of 10. I go, What? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I got this big comeback planned. What did y'all do? I was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Well, and that's that's what's great about the rounds too, Terry, is because you know the the ten round limited games or twelve round limited games totally different dynamic than oh, yeah. than first one to twenty one. Because if that game between Mark and Philip and Jay and Jordan, if that was limited to ten rounds, totally. we would have never seen that. Yep. So that yeah, that's why people, people ask me all the time, "What do you like better?" I, I like them both for different reasons, but yeah. but that first to, that first to twenty one leaves you with these huge epic come come from behind wins sometimes. Yeah. So. And, I, you know, like you said, the mental game, mental game of any individual sport is hard. You know, it's very hard because you have to be able to find your place and you have to be in that zone. You know, you, you know, yeah. you watch those guys, you know, like Alex Rawls and those guys. And, you know, I, the first year that I went out there, when I went to Vegas and I saw all these guys, I'm sitting there like, wow, man, how in the hell are they doing this over and over and over and over again? And you're sitting yeah. there like, and it's nothing, nothing spectacular. They're just throwing bags, like they're just throwing bags. I'm like, why in the hell can't I do that? What are, right. yeah, what are they you doing? Know? It's so crazy. What are they doing? It's it like, looks so minute. simple. My arm is bigger than theirs. <laughs> Ryan, I got bigger arms than Ryan Smith. I can throw it. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there like, shit, why can't I? And it's, you know, for me, it's absolutely mental. And I know it is. And I'm working on that because I've never had to do anything like this you know what i mean and i think it's something that i need to uh and that's that's it you know i i know i have to work on the mental part of it and that that's what's going to make put me over the edge hey bernie i don't know about you but for me it is so funny i mean ever since this series started terry i mean to hear people like you to hear people like don staley to hear people like jay cutler talk about how cornhole is the toughest thing they've ever had to do in their <laughs> lives. It's just, it's hilarious for you to hear. Well, because it's, because it's a game, it's, there is no real physicality in the game, right? I mean, look, the way that you can stand around for an entire weekend and not have your knees hurt. I think there's a physical nature in that, but that's for us older folks. The kids could do that forever. So it's all mental and any game that's all mental there's certain people that have it. Like I, I would love, I mean, I was actually throwing with Trey. And he's like, what's wrong with that bag? You act like you can't throw. It's like, yeah, that's two good ones. The next, <laughs> here, here come the next six. <laughs> the next six are off the board. <laughs> yeah, so true. It's true. It's true. I, it's like, how do you throw a bag off the board? It just oh, I can show you a lot of it. <laughs> I get so frustrated when I do that. I'm sitting there like, how in the hell did I do that? Or you throw a short bag. You're like, really? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I can't Short bag is the worst. Short oh, bag is the worst. And I did it on national TV. <laughs> 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 
Hey, uh, Terry, yeah. we, we, somehow we have spent the last like 30 minutes talking about cornhole. Like we wanted to talk no about the NFL. No way. Bernie and I, th- this show was not supposed to be entirely about cornhole, but somehow That's we okay. just killed like 45 minutes just awesome. talking about cornhole. <laughs> All right. Hey, in a couple minutes left, give us your thoughts on the NFL. You know, I, I actually had a serious question for you because you're down in, in Florida and I'm sure you're close to the situation about Tua. You know, and, and the whole concussion thing. And and I actually have analysts that I've done college football games with in the past. You know, they suffer from some of these issues with CTE. It's real, you know, and and, and so to see that is is scary. And as a former player, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that and 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 what the what the word is down there and 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 well, on, it's, on possible return for him. Listen, one thing about the game of football, and you know, and you've talked to other guys, it's a rough sport. It is a very rough sport. And, you know, those concussions and, you know, I've had mine, you know, and it's a different time now, you know, with the different protocols. And I don't know how you're ever going to fix it. You know, the one thing that's going to end up happening, you know, back when I played, you know, we called it get our bell rung. You know, when you got hit, you came to the sideline, you went to the coach and said, hey, give me a smelling salt. And you, you know, and you snapped out of it. You know, now with the protocol and stuff, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to go back into the game. And that right there in itself is going to change the dynamics of your roster. Because now, you know, if you like Tua gets hurt, goes under concussion protocol. Now you got Teddy Bridgewater comes in, you know, something happens to him. Now you're going to end up having to have a running back or somebody else come in at quarterback like Shaquan. And with the Giants, had to take snaps during the week. You know what I mean? So it's going to, especially if the protocol becomes, what I think is going to end up happening. You know, I think they're going to have a stricter protocol and guys aren't going to be able to go back into the game. So, but I, but I think, change. I think, I mean, as much as we want to see these players, Terry, I think, I think it has to be done, right? I mean, to protect I, them. Yeah. I, I, but it's still got to be football, though. I mean, it's I just think it's, it's still got to be tough. football. And, you know, the two hit, the guy, it wasn't a, it wasn't yeah. a bad hit. It, it was right. not a bad hit. I mean, it was a great hit, you know, and I think it was just one of those things that, um, you know, I don't know what happened the game before. You know, I'm not gonna, not yeah. even gonna answer on that because I have no yeah. idea. Because if, if he would never got hurt Thursday night, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right, and that's that comes from Tua being so small. I mean, people forget Absolutely. that. You know, if if, if he's six four two fifty, he's not thrown to the ground like that. Absolutely, being his not. size allowed that hit to be a lot worse, and that's why you don't have people like me playing professional football. <laughs> you know, I think guys just, you know, as you're. As a player, you know, I worked out extremely hard. It is it is what it is. I mean, that was – we're in a, a car accident every hit. Think about that. Yeah. You know, as a running back playing 10 years, I've been hit a whole lot of times. And, you know, and there's nothing you can do about that. You're playing the game of football. You're going to get hit. So I think you have to train your body, your neck, and everything else to be able to be able to take that contact. And, you know, I, I, not only do yeah. I put it on the players, I put it on, you know, coaching staffs, you know, weightlifting coaches, everybody. There's a certain thing that you have to do to get yourself prepared to play this violent game. And if you do that, you know, certain injuries, there's nothing you can do about, but you can also help yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest things you got to do is help yourself. Terry, I see it all the time watching these games. I mean, I, and broadcasting these games. I cannot believe that on every play you get three or four 
uh, defensive lineman, five offensive linemen, and a running back. But after a running play, somehow most of the time, everybody gets get up, up and do it again. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know how it happens. The next play. You know, I don't know how it's, it's possible. So, you know, I, I look at it like this, and everyone always says these guys are bigger, stronger, faster than when I played in the 90s. And I go, you guys have no idea. I go, <laughs> you have, think about now as a receiver, you know, coming across, you really can't get hit anymore. Right. Steve Steve Atwater, Ronnie Lott, <laughs> Muddy Waters, Lewis Oliver. I can go down the list of these safeties that when you came across the middle. There's lights out. It's lights out. <laughs> I was I was scared. I was scared of Ronnie Lott watching on TV. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, you know what's so funny is I have this picture of Ronnie when I played here in Miami, and I actually and the gallery a photographer was on the sideline and he took the perfect picture of me on the sideline hitting Ronnie Lott and his helmet flies off. And his helmet's in the picture and then his and his thing his uh, face is there and I, my shoulders right there. So when I got traded to San Francisco, I took it out. I said, Ronnie, will you sign this for me? He goes, get that, shit. He goes, get that shit out of my face. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Well, hey, hey, unfortunately, Terry, we are out of time, man. We would love to have you back again. Absolutely. And uh, and thanks for everything you do for the sport. Love to have you uh, being a part of all the Super Bowl series and uh, look forward to seeing you on the circuit uh, this season. Absolutely. I'll be there. Take care. All right, Terry. Thanks, right, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Terry Kirby. Unfortunately, we got to head out of here. Hey, uh, man. Sorry about the Chad Hunt thing. I don't know why I had that wrong, but you were correct. Sorry, Chad, if you're watching. Know. Welcome here's to the, the world. Here's the problem with you is that even when you're wrong, you say things like you're right, and they make yeah. everyone in the room doubt themselves. Right. I, I gotta. I gotta stop fucking doing that because. But, but I always come. But I always. I knew come I was back. right. But I always come back and say if I'm wrong. By the way, <laughs> I will do that. But yeah, I'm a I'm a born arguer. All right, brother, we're, we're way over time. We got to yeah. go. But uh, hey, thanks to Terry. I uh, appreciate you bringing it. Good luck with the house, man. Seriously. Yeah. We're good. We're good. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. See ya.